Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettes. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Boris Johnson, Jeremy Corbyn, and President Trump, impeach.org, Soros, etc., funding impeachment, uh, Giuliani and Comey and Nunes, oh my, a lot about impeachment on that, and finally, the Bill of Rights anniversary and how important that is, and of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I actually do want to do the first five I had planned, uh, which relates to the elections that were held in the UK last week on Thursday. If you were listening last Thursday, you know we had a fabulous guest, George Farmer, join us by phone, a former Brexit leader in the UK, former candidate, laid out for us the various things that could happen based on how those UK elections came out. And I'm going to talk about how they came out and how they're being handled in the press. But I first want to say that as today, I was at a, out at a Christmas luncheon, uh, political luncheon with my husband, raised home, kind of finalized the deal to get ready to come here today and do the show. And I learned that there was a ruling issued today in the federal court, uh, Ju- Judge Emma Sullivan in federal district court. He is the judge that the case, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's case is in front of him. He had a motion pending by Flynn's fabulous attorney, Sidney Powell, a motion pending to compel the production of documents. Basically, Sidney Powell, as the lawyer for Lieutenant General Flynn, had made the argument that a long variety of documents, a list of documents, as she she explained, she listed, she described, were withheld from him, from Lieutenant General Flynn, prior to sentencing or prior to his agreement uh, to plead guilty, and that those documents actually would have been relevant in his decision of pleading guilty and therefore uh, should have been produced under the Brady rule. And because they weren't produced, uh, she was trying to or ask the judge. She requested, had a motion to ask the judge to compel production of this list of documents. This stunning ruling out of that federal district court today by Judge Emmett Sullivan federal district court judge was that basically denied the motion by Sidney Powell, denied the motion, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's uh, lawyer's motion to uh, request production of those documents, which she, the Flynn team, were arguing were wrongly withheld by the prosecutors and would have indeed potentially impacted the uh, decision by the then lawyers for Flynn to enter a guilty plea. So this is a, it is a huge setback for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn for that case. And so I literally, running out the door, heard this. I have not had a chance to dive in and read that, but I will by tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow to tell you what I think about it. I will tell you that on the one hand, clearly bad news for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, and, and honestly kind of a shocking, surprising ruling. It does not mean the end of the legal battle for him. There are many other options that he may have going forward. But I'm just going to want to get that story out. And I will, as I said, be ready tomorrow to talk about the various um, options he may have and, and the ways the case could go forward. But I really want to do today in the first five I'll do now is this. Last week's elections in the UK were this, you know, national elections. So they were electing 650 members of parliament, the entire lower house, the House of Commons. Every single House of Commons seat was up. So it's basically a battle. You know, they have more than two political parties in the UK. 
basically a battle in every single, you know, to analogize to America, like a, like a congressional district, every single district in the UK had uh, elections to choose their member of the House of Commons. All of this essentially being pushed by the refusal of the ruling elite in England to honor the will of the UK voters from a 2015 vote when they said, yes, we want to withdraw from the European Union. That, that Brexit vote happening years ago stalled and stalled by politicians who won't listen to the people. And so that election was called again to try to get the message from the people how they wanted to have the House of Commons go forward. So the great news of that election was great news if you love freedom and you love the idea of the people um, having power and the government actually representing them and not ruling over them. The great news was that the conservatives, Boris Johnson, the conservatives, one hands down, not just squeaked by a tiny little victory, one hands down. In fact, this election was the worst defeat for the Labor Party, for the Jeremy Corbyn, we think of analogous to the Democrats, worst defeat for that party in the House of Commons since 1923. The people of England spoke and they said, we said we want to get out of the EU. And so that, that was a core issue in this election was the conservatives, Boris Johnson saying, I heard you, we're trying to do what you asked us to do. And the Jeremy Corbyn socialist, globalist, left winger, similar to the Democrat party, trying to stall and hedge and essentially would not listen to the people's will. So it was a great outcome uh, for conservatives there. Since that time, Astonishingly, the Labour Labour Party, so like the Democrat equivalent in the UK, the leader there, Jeremy Corbyn, actually said in a speech that even though it was the worst defeat for his party since 1923, said he that we, meaning he, the left-wing socialist globalist, stay in the big government, grow government, left-wing party, he claimed we won the arguments with the people it just didn't get translated into an election victory, which is truly deranged. It is truly, it's, it's way past absurd. It's not like a spin on a close election. Maybe we should have had you know, two more speeches. This is a guy not dealing with reality and not accepting that the people of England, of the UK, when given the opportunity, voted down his left-wing socialist globalist grow the government ignore the people empower the ruling elite which was basically the platform he ran on ran on radical climate policy you know he was endorsed by this greta thunberg you know this 16 year old who needs to go back to school and figure out a few things before she keeps mouthing off about you know her a climate change agenda and the whole green new deal but he, Corbyn the leftist, ran on that kind of policy, utterly slapped down by the people of the UK. And actually, he's also refusing to step down as the leader of the Labor Party, even though he just got told by this massive vote that the people don't like what he's saying and don't want him to be in charge of their country. Right after the election, you know, leaders of the Labor Party said, hey, you know, probably time for Jeremy Corbyn to step down. You'll get a new leader out there. No way, he, he's sticking with it. And this is kind of, as I wrap up this first five, this is kind of the mindset of the leftist in this world. They believe what they believe. They do not care what the people think. 
They think their role in taking the reins of government and taking charge of government is to impose their will on the people because they know better. They know how everything should be. And if you just give them big government control over everything, they'll control everything and they'll be in charge and everyone will be better off. So the idea that he got a message from the people of the UK, we don't like your policies, it's like he can't process that. He can't listen to the people. And so I will tell you, wrapping up this first five, I think this is actually a great signal for President Trump in the upcoming elections in 2020. I think it's a signal to stay the course, to not begin to capitulate to the left, not begin to uh, concede to the left, because leftists never concede anything. They never compromise, they never concede, they never come to the center. They have a left-wing agenda and they force it on the, on the people every chance they get. No point in trying to negotiate with that. And that, my friends, is today's first five. Okay, I wanna turn and talk about this impeach.org thing. Before I get into the real nuts and bolts of impeachment, all sorts of news on the impeachment effort in Washington. There apparently, you know, they ha- well, last week the House Judiciary Committee voted out two articles of impeachment and not the, wherever the other number was, seven or nine or 16, the other people wanted two articles of impeachment and the vote on the floor of the House will be on Wednesday. Before I get to the details of that, I wanna just talk about something I became more and more aware of over the weekend. I wanna tell you about something. I encourage you to go to a website called impeach.org. This is a left-wing website. It's a left-wing website that is basically trying to orchestrate protests in major cities around this country prior to the vote on Wednesday to bring people out into the streets to stand up for impeachment. And so they are orchestrating, they're putting online, you know, hey, everybody sign up, here's what we're gonna do. And I I think it is so symbolic and so important to understand about how leftists think. Before I get into this, I'll remind you, for example, we had Occupy Wall Street, which seemed to the uninformed, the uninitiated, to be a genuine, you know, grassroots, organic protest uh, all over the country. Occupy Wall Street, Occupy Democrats, Occupy all over the country. They were left-wing demands by left-wing, seeking left-wing goals, and people, if you didn't know better, you might think that this was actually a real organic thing, and people who aren't informed watched these Occupy Wall Street protests and thought, wow, you know, I must be missing something. Maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I didn't understand what's happening in this country, because how could all these young people be so angry if nothing is wrong? Clearly, because these protests exist, there must be something really, really wrong, and I just missed it. Occupy Wall Street was completely funded and organized by George, not just George Soros, but entities that George Soros, think of him in the middle, open societies in the middle, and then the organizations springing out in every direction that he funds. So you got organizations surrounding the Soros in the center, and then within that ring surrounding the center, you have other organizations springing out, springing out, springing out. So you have all these, you know, happy talk sounding left-wing organizations. They sound like they're, you know, love America or some group like that. You think, gee, yeah, I love America. Yeah, that sounds good. These are bought and paid for, as my good friend tries to call it, calls it frequently, street theater. Occupy Wall Street 
had nothing to do with the hearts and minds of actual genuine Americans. It was orchestrated and funded street theater. So is Antifa, orchestrated and funded street theater. These people who show up all of a sudden in massive protests and anger. I'm not saying that some people participating don't particularly believe in some cause, like maybe they're participating because they believe in, you know, the uh, man-caused catastrophic climate change going to kill us all tomorrow agenda. So they want the Green New Deal. They want to shut down all cars in America, whatever they want. There are people who believe in different things, but the Orchestrated agitation is not organic, it's not real, it's funded. So back to impeach.org. So Occupy Wall Street was one. Much of the Black Lives Matter protests, very much the same way. And it's not just that they have groups that are, you can filter the funding back up to open society. It's not just the money, it is the messaging, the mindset, the deliberate, intentional, relentless agitation of the American people, of our, of our very country, of the fabric of our country. It is an intentional agitation of people, encouraging people to believe themselves to be the member of some victim group, to feel perpetually outraged, perpetually outraged over something. It is the agenda of the left to keep Americans of various groups in silos defined by hyphenated groups and perpetually outraged. It is orchestrated, manufactured outrage, orchestrated and funded by people who want the American culture and fabric to dissolve into revolt and dissent and protests and anger and division and resentment. This is the George Soros agenda. This is the leftist agenda. Now back to impeach.org. So they are, this is again, this organization is trying to orchestrate for Wednesday. So the impeachment vote is Wednesday. Maybe these will happen tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Go to impeach.org. And you'll. I want to tell you a few points about when you go there, where you can see what they're doing. They're trying to get pro people signed up in cities around the country. They have at the top of the banner, of impeach, the, the banner at the top of their website, impeach.org says, nobody is above the law, in quotes, nobody is above the law events. Let me make point one. Nobody is saying that anyone's above the law. The very title of this is an intentionally chosen, manipulative, obnoxious choice. It is intended to convey the impression that you must support impeachment because the guys on the other side who oppose impeachment think that someone should be above the law. No one's saying that anyone is above the law. No one is saying President Trump is above the law. In fact, if anyone is arguing that there is someone above the law, it's the Democrats in Washington trying to say that Joe Biden can say on an open microphone brag about getting in, in the Ukrainian's face and insisting they fire a prosecutor who was investigating the son of Joe Biden and that we Americans were going to hold withhold a billion in aid. This is what Biden said on air. So those people actually believe that someone's above the law, that someone being Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. But back to impeach.org. So they start out with a intentionally manipulative, lying premise that the argument they're trying to make to the people they're trying to get agitated is, oh, some of the conservatives or the Republicans are trying to say that Trump is above the law. No one's saying that. What we're saying is he didn't break the law. 
There is no law problem here with the Ukrainians, but first point. Second point, you can put your zip code in, you find your protest, go off to your protest. But third point, go on that page, on the homepage there, they have events, and that's what I was talking about, organizing all these protests. They also have partners. They list the organizations that are backing this. And if you want to take the time and dig through and read about these organizations and do your research, you'll figure out they all eventually go back to funding from open society or some organization open society funded or some organization funded by the group that was funded by open societies. It's street theater. Second point in this page, I can't again urge you strongly enough. You see all these signs like you see you saw the Women's March again, the Women's March, the, the day of the Trump's inauguration in 2017 orchestrated and funded street theater. It's not real. It's intended, by the way, because of the numbers they managed to get up and the people, in many cases, they pay protesters. Protesters in Ferguson, for example, were paid. It's intended to convey the false impression to Americans that millions more actually support what they are standing for than really do. It's intended to exaggerate the numbers of people behind whatever it is they're protesting that day. So the other thing on that website is they have events I told you about, partners, all these Soros funded groups. But the last thing is that I want to mention there is materials. You know, you always see all these protest signs are so clever and they're so brilliant. And you think, wow, these people are so clever. They're all, they're all created by this website. All these idiotic impeachment slogans are created by this website. And so do not, if we actually, if they succeed in having these impeachment, you know, impeach.org uh, protests tomorrow or Wednesday or whenever they have them, or probably again when the Senate takes up the uh, case in the new year, do not be duped. Be among the people awake enough to realize you're being played. It's insulting, it's obnoxious, it's outrageous, and the best remedy is to not be duped by it, to dismiss these people as people not worthy of any seriousness at all. Last thing, if you go to our website, my website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links, you can see the links to this website. You also see a link to an article, in full fairness to my, or uh, you know, full disclosure to my audience, written by my husband, uh, who writes for the American Thinker, but this is called, this referred to, I don't know if you saw this headline on Saturday, but we were up on Saturday morning. We, up, we walked up to a place near our house, got a cup of coffee. There was a, hell, a New York Times sitting there, and a above-the-fold picture in the New York Times of the Democrat members of the Judiciary Committee in the U.S. House standing around with their heads bowed, praying before they went in to vote to impeach the president. That, my friends, in a miniature version, is street theater. This entire impeachment is the orchestrated effort of people on the left who have been trying to find a way to get rid of President Trump since the moment he won that election in 2016, who are now on their, whatever this is, you know, sixth possible way to get rid of him is to bring this impeachment 
in a trial, a trial of impeachment in the House that ignored every premise of our founding documents, the idea of a due process and the right to present your defense and a right to confront your witnesses. The Democrats orchestrated the entire House hearing in utter disregard of the due process rights of the accused, the president, Rules that said they could invite as many witnesses as they wanted. Dem Democrats have all the witnesses they want. Republicans get hardly any. That the Republicans were cut off in their questioning. I mean, it was a true kangaroo court. I mean, that's probably an insult to the kangaroo court. Nobody gets to say that they are truly praying for guidance and strength and praying for justice. You don't get to claim that if you were part of the fiasco, the sham trial in the U.S. House that brought about the articles of impeachment of President Trump. Sorry, Americans are too, Americans are too smart to buy that malarkey. But read my husband's article, too, called Democrats' Prayer Posturing is Street Theater for Flyover Country. Makes a lot of great points, and there are great points for you to understand. Okay, now I want to turn to the big, this kind of the impeachment update for the day. And this is about Giuliani, so former mayor of New York City, Giuliani, now Trump attorney, Giuliani and Comey and Nunes, oh my. Okay, it didn't quite work with the lions and tigers and bears and alive, but kind of close. Anyway, I want to bring you just kind of a, a quick skim through of the, this is the update of where we are in impeachment. As I told you, the House voted last Thursday, Judiciary Committee voted, or Friday, I guess, articles of impeachment. They're supposedly the full House is going to vote on them tomorrow. So we have all sorts of things coming out over the weekend. Um, I want to start with uh, what Giuliani came up with. So Mayor Giuliani, who is, of course, you know, uh, former mayor of New York City, uh, now a Trump lawyer, and Giuliani, who's, you know, a... I mean, he's a tough guy. He was a f loved and beloved mayor of New York City and a very effective mayor. Went over the Ukraine, to the Ukraine, to meet with some officials there to understand what was going on in 2016 between the U.S. and the Ukraine and Burisma and other entities involved, the State Department and the Soros-funded uh, Anti-Corruption League or whatever it was called, Soros had a thing there too, anti-corruption uh, corporation, whatever it was. Point is, Soros is in the middle of it, creating chaos in Ukraine, like he creates chaos in America and all over the world. And so Giuliani went over there and to talk to these people to try to say, say what was really happening? So Mayor Giuliani is back in America with information about, as he, in his words, proof of massive corruption in the Ukraine involving the Bidens. And he's come back with documents, statements, information. He's putting something together that he wants to turn over to Attorney General Barr, for one thing, uh, and also wants to turn it over, I believe, to uh, the Senate, probably to the Senate, maybe to the House, uh, various committees there. The point is, Mayor Giuliani dug in to figure out what was really happening because all of this impeachment grew out of a conversation between President Trump and President Zelensky of the Ukraine. Essentially, President Trump was asking, you know, did you ever get to the bottom of it or can you get to the bottom of what was happening inside the Ukraine with all this corruption? 
everyone involved in the call says there was no quid pro quo, there was no arm twisting, there was no money withheld, nobody even knew money was even slightly being delayed. I mean, there was there's no basis to even criticize Trump, let alone to bring impeachment hearings. But back to what, so Giuliani says, I got a lot of information here. Um, and he wants to bring it forth. All of this being relevant to the question of why we are having a, an impeachment hearing at all when what President Trump was trying to do was get to the bottom of actual corruption. What you see in the left is a, a just a radical determination. They are not going to let the American people understand how corrupt Joe Biden is. Because it wasn't just Joe Biden and it wasn't just Hunter Biden, but it is all sorts of very high-level people, high-level leftists in our government, State Department, and people in the Obama administration at least aware of, if not participating in this, much speculation, even people in the the Senate, other people in the high levels of our country had not only knowledge of this, but possibly had gained from this, had been part of the corruption, had received some gain because of it. So Giuliani's back saying, I, I have a lot to tell you, and I'm going to tell you that I think it's a race to the finish. I think the House wants to get the impeachment vote done before Giuliani can release all this information. I mean, he is what he did, Giuliani did, was release it by a series of tweets. I urge you to go to his Twitter. I don't even know what his Twitter handle is, Giuliani's, but you can find it. He's put all this information out, tweet by tweet by tweet by tweet. He's, he's, what well, he says, he's uncovered his terms. Proof of extensive corruption in the Ukraine, including clear proof of money laundering by Burisma Energy Company and Hunter and Joseph Biden. So that's Giuliani. Okay, now I want to go on to Comey. Now, I got to tell you, folks, you know, um, the idea that... <laughs> We still have, people have become a funny nicknames for uh, former FBI Director Comey, uh, Parson Comey, um, Weasel Comey. But, you know, we've all now, everyone paying attention, has read summaries of the IG report, the Inspector General report. We know the Inspector General found astonishing wrongdoing inside the FBI, changing, doctoring, documents before they were submitted to FISA. They, that the FISA court, for example, the in, pretty much in, relied entirely on the dossier, which had no validity to it. So I want to first play a clip. This is, and by the way, I meant to say, Matt, the extremely wonderful producer, is back. So glad he's here. And I sent, this is uh, for Matt. This is uh, Comey. This is former FBI Director Comey on the Chris Wallace show. And here he is. Former FBI Director James Comey. Director, welcome to Fox News Sunday. Thanks for having me. You have been taking something of a victory lap since the IG report was released earlier this week. The question is whether or not it's justified. Here are you and the Inspector General Michael Horowitz answering the same question. Do you think this is vindication? It is. I mean, the FBI's had to wait two years while the president and his followers lied about the institution. Finally, the truth gets told. Does your report vindicate Mr. Comey? It doesn't vindicate anyone at the FBI who touched this, including the leadership. The IG says you should feel no vindication. 
Well, maybe it turns upon how we understand the word. What I mean is that the FBI was accused of treason, of illegal spying, of tapping Mr. Trump's wires illegally, of opening an investigation without justification, of being a criminal conspiracy to unseat, defeat, and then unseat a president. All of that was nonsense. I think it's really important that the inspector general looked at that and that the American people, your viewers and all viewers, understand that's true. But he also found things that we were never accused of, which is real sloppiness. And that's concerning, as I've said all along, has to be focused on. If I were director, I'd be very concerned about it and diving into it. Again, here is what you said about the FISA process and what the inspector general Horowitz said this week. Take a look. Total confidence that the FISA process was followed and that the entire case was handled in a thoughtful, responsible way by DOJ and the FBI. We identified significant inaccuracies and omissions in each of the four applications. Seven in the first application and a total of 17 by the final renewal application. 17 significant errors in the FISA process and you say that it was handled in a thoughtful and appropriate way. Yeah, he's right. I was wrong. I was overconfident in the procedures that the FBI and Justice had built over 20 years. I thought they were robust enough. It's incredibly hard to get a FISA. I was overconfident in those because he's right. There was real sloppiness. 17 things that either should have been in the applications or at least discussed and characterized differently. It, it was not acceptable. And so he's right. I was wrong. But you okay, let me jump in and say there. I'm going to just jump in. I've had enough of him. He's making me crazy. I want to say a couple things about this. Number one... The IG did not, the Inspector General did not say the FBI was merely sloppy. The IG's report points out numerous instances in which evidence was changed, manipulated. That's not sloppiness. Sloppiness is I, you know, forgot to put a comma. I didn't, you know, dot the I and cross the T. It's not sloppiness. Now, the IG wouldn't go quite far enough to say this is intentional. He just said, I found no evidence of an intentional bias. And this is the point of contention, of course, I'm sure you realize that both the Attorney General Barr and uh, Durham, the uh, current U.S. attorney looking into this inside the DOJ, are saying, you know what, um, this, this is a bogus conclusion by the Inspector General, a bogus notion that somehow we can't, uh, we, we can see all this wrongdoing, by the way, every single wrong act of wrongdoing, everything that they found, Horowitz found, all of it trended against the president. It's kind of like watching a football game and the ref makes 25 bad calls in a row. And if they were, you know, half for the home team and half for the visiting team, you say, well, okay, he's a bad ref. But when all the decisions go against the visiting team, yeah, you got a hometown ref. You know that's true in football. It's true in life. If every single decision made by this inspector general, made inside the DOJ and the FBI that hurt the Trump team and helped his attackers, all the decisions hurt Trump. The idea that I still can't really see any bias, I don't see any bias, you know, it's just absurd. Anyway, but back to what Comey had to say. Comey, he finally had to weasel, I, I can't stand listening to him. He finally said, okay, he was right, I was wrong. But two significant things I wanna make clear about Comey before we get to one last thing, which is Nunes. And that, this is it about Comey. Comey still is trying to stand by the idea that the Steele dossier you know, the whole Hillary Clinton Democrat Party funded Steele dossier 
Comey's trying to say, well, you know, it didn't have that much to do with getting the Pfizer warrants. I mean, you know, it was a piece of it. This is what he tried to say all along. He's still not admitting. It was the whole thing. It was the whole thing. It was, you know, 99% of what that Pfizer court relied on was what the, was in the Steele dossier. Comey won't admit that. He's trying to pretend. So this is Comey insisting the FBI didn't really rely that much on the Steele dossier versus what the, um, what the uh, IG found, which is like, yes, it was. It was practically the whole thing. The FISA warrants got issued because of the Steele dossier. Uh, point number two. Um, the, also, Comey will not acknowledge that the source, the very source everyone said was so wonderful, you know, that was the source of the, the creator of the dossier, that somehow the Steele dossier, um, is, he is still trying to say was credible in fact. In fact, Horowitz, the opposite of what Comey is saying, Horowitz said, no, actually, the dossier was essential to getting the warrant and that the FBI's own fact checking showed that Steele, the author of the Steele dossier, the Russian dossier, was not credible. Comey just won't deal with those facts. But final thing on this update, and where we are, um, I, I mentioned, I, I mean, I, we could talk about this for hours and hours. I want to hit some key points of where we are. Last one is about Devin Nunes, who simply needs to get, the guy needs to get, I don't even know what medal be good enough, the Medal of Freedom or something, for his bravery in dealing with the left wing in this country, dealing with their absurdity. First, I want to play, um, the, uh, there's Devin Nunes was, uh, this is clip three, Matt, very wonderful. Clip three, this is Devin Nunes um, talking about really what happened um, with Horowitz and the Inspector General. So here's Devin Nunes. Well, first off, we need to have a hearing with uh, IG Horowitz next week. Uh, the longer that this goes on, the longer it takes America to heal itself. Uh, the, the FISA court itself is in tremendous jeopardy. Uh, we, we cannot support the FISA court right now. Uh, the judges are refusing to take action against these dirty cops and dirty lawyers who did this. That's totally unacceptable because remember, this is a secret court. The, the people who, like Carter Page, they have no recourse except for Congress. This is, this is why the House Intelligence Committee and Senate Intelligence Committee were created. So it's important, I think, to take people back. It wasn't that we just learned about this in, in February of 2018, Maria. We actually, House Republicans, learned about this in the spring of 2017, at least the initial part, that the dossier had been used, that the Clinton paid for dirt. We then proved that the Clintons did pay for it and the DNC did pay for it in, in the fall of 17. And we knew that we had to get this information out to the American public, and that's what led to us producing this memo in February of 2018 that the media helped cover up for it. And, and you know, to, to get back to normalcy uh, in this country, we need a free and fair press, but we don't have that today. Uh, we still have numerous members of the media, hundreds of them, uh, who, who attack not only House Republicans for putting this out, but anyone else in the media who said, hey, maybe the Republicans might have a point here, should we get to the bottom of it? And remember, we spent a year saying, these documents need to be declassified, yeah. and that would have ended it there. But instead, what happened is, is that the Democrats lied, and now they've put the American people in tremendous danger. The judges on the FISA court are putting the American people in, in, in danger. Yeah. Because look, the, the American people at the end of the day, we want our liberty before we're going to give up. Uh, we're not going to give up our liberty in order to have some secret court operate to spy on 
political campaigns right. and to use our counterintelligence capabilities to do that. What Okay, he's just, this guy, Devin Nunes, I want to again give him credit and say, we're going to, I'm going to be talking more about him in coming weeks. Devin Nunes has been a hero in this process from the beginning. He's a square shooter, you know, kind of a, he, he is from California, but you wouldn't know it by his uh, conservatism and clarity of thought. He is committed to finding truth. He is bravely speaking truth. When he put that memo out, he was just describing in 2018, he was attacked by the left in this country, the leftists, especially by Schiff, just, just you know, ridiculed and, la and mocked and, and derided and accused of, of dishonesty. And so now that the Inspector General report came out and verified everything Devin Nunes said in his memo, and by therefore made it clear that what Adam Schiff was saying to criticize Nunes, that Adam Schiff was at least completely 100% wrong, if not totally dishonest. So now you so say Nunes uh, sent a letter um, to Schiff that essentially said, this on Sunday morning, yesterday morning, uh, Nunes sent a letter to uh, Schiff just essentially saying, uh, you know, you're in need of rehabilitation. You need to rehabilitate your reputation, your integrity, because the entire impeachment process is really being run by Adam Schiff. Think about that. I mean, I don't use the name calling terms people use for him, but the guy has, this is the guy who met with the alleged super secret whistleblower, covered it up long as he could, pretends, pretended he didn't have, didn't have that meeting, doesn't know anything about it, orchestrated the impeachment and now he's in charge of it and this is the guy who sits there after having mocked Nunes for telling the truth and gets an inspector general report that points out Nunes was right and Schiff was wrong and Schiff cannot come clean if his life depended on it and that leads me to the last clip I want to play we have, this is actually clip two and this is the great congressman the state of Texas John Ratcliffe again the, the Sunday talk shows were full of good things this weekend but John Ratcliffe again a Maria Bartiroma talking about how disastrous it is for the Democrats that Schiff is really kind of in charge of this impeachment. Here he is, John Ratcliffe. Are expecting this impeachment vote to be on Wednesday? What are you expecting in the week ahead? And tell me about the reaction you've been seeing from that IG report. Yeah, uh, as you said, the vote will be on Wednesday, despite what a Democratic scholar called the fastest, thinnest, weakest impeachment in U.S. history. Uh, that's the direction that we're going. The real question is, how big will the jailbreak be by the Democrats? We've already seen one Democrat apparently switching <clears throat> parties over it, another saying he's going to vote against it. Uh, and so really the question is, how many more uh, before Wednesday's vote? And the reason for that, Maria, is because the Democrats have made the mistake of staking the credibility of all this on uh, Adam Schiff, the person that they put in charge of this investigation turns out is the one that helped start it by meeting with a person who walked out of Adam Schiff's office and became the whistleblower. And at the very same time that that's happening, as you mentioned, now there's an inspector general report that comes out that says during the last impeachment hoax, the Trump-Russia one, Adam Schiff repeatedly made false statements to the American people um, about the FBI's actions. And so I think, you know, that's what's happening. And that's why uh, the Democrats have been rushing to keep this from unraveling um, and keep their uh, folks in line, and they're having a really hard time to do that. I wouldn't want to bank my political future on Adam Schiff's credibility, but they've made that mistake. I should say they made that mistake. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this segment about the... Uh 
you know, that I mean, there's so much more we could talk about about impeachment, but I do have one other quick story, but wrap up this segment on Giuliani, Comey, and Nunes um, by saying this. There is one Democrat, as you heard Congressman Ratcliffe allude to, one Democrat, member of the U.S. Congress, first-term Democrat, who's announced he is going to switch parties over this impeachment. He just, I'm mean, telling you folks, anyone, this is not, this issue should not be Democrat versus Republican. This is the question, like in a criminal trial, if you were a juror, the question is not what political party are you versus the accused, what race, ethnicity, or national origin are you versus the accused, the question is a rule of law. The question is actually applying the law to the facts and looking at the real evidence. When you are railroaded as a criminal defendant, that term means the jury's already decided they don't care what the facts are, they don't care what the evidence is, they're going to find you guilty. And this is what the Democrats cooked up in the U.S. House on this impeachment. That's what it is. So you have one Democrat now announcing he's going to flip parties. And also for the first time, more and more polling comes out, but the, a nation, in fact, the, the top nationwide polls finding that for the first time, more Americans oppose impeachment than support it. And the Democrats are now in a tough situation because they have sold this to their base that we're going to impeach them somehow. They've gotten this far down the road. They've gotten the Judiciary Committee to vote on articles of impeachment. The American people don't like it. And then they've got the Giuliani findings from his meeting over in the Ukraine looming in the background. That's going to come out. And they have the Attorney General Barr and U.S. Attorney Durham report sometime coming out. I guess now it's going to be next year. All of this is going to show that what the Democrats tried to impeach President Trump on, and they know they won't, he won't be removed in the Senate, what they tried to impeach him on is not only what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have been up to in the Ukraine, but actually many other players at very high levels in Washington likely involved in this massive corruption uncovered by Giuliani. So this race to the finish to get the impeachment vote might be the worst decision the Democrats ever made. They make a lot of bad decisions, but this might be one of the worst ever. One last quick story today. I just want to tell you this. Uh, yesterday was the 200 228th anniversary of the signing of the Bill of Rights. I just want to say how important the Bill of Rights are. I know everyone knows the Bill of Rights. You know, everyone knows the First Amendment and other amendments. I'm going to quickly tell you what the, but the Bill of Rights are the first 10 amendments of the U.S. Constitution, you know, freedom of speech and assembly and religion, all those things. So today is the 228th anniversary of that. I just want to, in a very summary way, remind you what they are, and then I will tell you how extremely they are under assault in our country today. And the only people, the only entity on this planet Earth that can protect those are the people in this country who point out violations, who refuse to submit to things that are inconsistent with this guarantee of the Bill of Rights. So we have the Bill of Rights, which is, you know, 228 years old. Um, and so it has, of course, the First Amendment. Everybody knows about that. You know, freedom of speech and assembly and religion um, and uh, freedom to petition the government. The Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms clearly under assault from the American left, as is the First Amendment, when you consider that the Democrats' actual, their uh, numerous Democrats running and their platform itself characterizes opposition 
to same-sex marriage or belief in traditional marriage as intolerable and, and something not to be respected and honored. They elevate the right of same-sex marriage over the right of people of faith to hold on to their beliefs related to marriage and life. Okay, Third Amendment has to do with, we don't have, prohibits the, for the forced courting of soldiers. Fourth Amendment, protecting people from unreasonable searches and seizures like President Trump's lawyer's entire, every document he ever had in connection with his representation by his lawyer. Fifth Amendment, I mean, actually, I can't go through them all. Let me urge you to go read them. This is on our website, americanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under list of links. Go and read those yourself, and remember that we are so blessed to live in a country that actually these ideas of what rights you have are not rights that the Congress or state legislatures get to vote about whenever they feel like it. These were written into the founding for the very reason that our founders saw them as rights from God or the interpretation of rights from God that were written into and made applicable to you know, real life in America, real, real life in, in a country. So these ideas, these Bill of Rights ideas, are supposed to be supersede all of the efforts by anyone in government or in the court system to take away those rights. They are profoundly important, but they only stay in place if we demand they do and we point out violations. And so I'll ask you to tell you one last quick thing, and then I'm going to turn to uh, tell you why the stories that we talked about today matter to you. But I do a weekly email. It comes out on Friday. It is a list of it's a one email only it is never shared with anybody my email list is never shared and in the email all i do is give you links to the stories i talked about this week and so you can if you miss the show you can just get the friday email listen to the segments you want to listen to it's also a great way beside a great way to catch up on the show a great way to share the show with your friends i love to have you do that invite you to do it share the show with your friends by just sharing this email forwarding this email so i hope you'll sign up to sign up for the email go to my website americacanwetalk.org on the home page hit the subscribe button and that's it an email will come to me and i will add you to the list and you'll get my email this friday now let's turn and talk about why the stories we talked about today matter to you so to start with we had our first story of the day we had boris johnson uh the and jeremy corbyn and donald trump Connect these dots. The UK's conservative leader, Boris Johnson, promised to honor UK votes, not the UK ruling class, and their desire to reassert British national identity and sovereignty about Brexit. Result, landslide win, victory margin not seen since 1923. Liberal Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, spouted big government socialism, anti-Semitism, and EU elitism. Result, UK voters crossed party lines to reject everything he ran on. Donald Trump promised America first drain the swamp in 2016, honoring the will of the American people, rejecting globalism and socialism, and he is trying to do that. Liberals are running on socialism, abandoning borders, elitism, and growing government. You connect those dots. Impeach.org, gotta go check out that website, and Soros and what's at stake. This is not about a phone call. This impeachment is not about a phone call with a Ukrainian or about documents provided or not provided to Congress. It is about respecting the will of the American voters in 2016, respecting the seriousness of the Constitution and the gravity of the impeachment standard. It is not okay to impeach for policy disagreements or personal hatred. 
opposition to Trump's America first swamp draining agenda is what this impeachment is about. Do not get duped by the upcoming orchestrated street theater planned and funded by radical leftists. Americans do not want this, and we must let every member of Congress and the Senate know that. On Giuliani, Comey, and Nunes, oh my. Giuliani has uncovered Obama-Biden corruption and money laundering in the Ukraine. It exposes the impeachment scam in part as a noisy cover-up for Obama and Biden. Comey appears utterly shameless and relentlessly dishonest. Will America demonstrate the moral courage via Barr and Durham to insist on accountability? Devin Nunes is an American hero. His March 2018 summary of House findings was mocked and vilified at the time, but it's been proven 100% correct by I.G. Horowitz. Schiff's 2018 rebuttal to Nunes was willfully false. Schiff seems incapable of acknowledging truth, and Nunes has called him out on it. GOP members of Congress need to keep calling this impeachment a sham, a railroading, an abuse of congressional power. And finally, the Bill of Rights and 228th anniversary, every generation of Americans and future Americans must relearn certain truths. The Bill of Rights is uniquely foundational to freedom in America. It and the Constitution are anchored in biblical ideas. These are the ideas that created America. Without them, there is no sound basis to protect America's unique commitment to each person of their right to live in freedom. Today, freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, rights to due process and fair trial are all under assault in America from leftism. Losing them would destroy freedom in America. Remember Reagan's words, if we cease to be a nation under God, we will be a nation gone under. Our founding freedoms were confirmations by our founders of what they believed were rights already given to us by God as described in the Bible, not a list of choices they arbitrarily granted after voting. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe on YouTube, follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, America Can We Talk, comment. I love hearing from you. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I get behind, but I love responding to um, hearing from all of you and be part of the amazing blessing we have as Americans to be in the fight to preserve America, this extraordinary gift of human liberty, best country on earth, which is why I do a show every day talking about it, because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?